We saw that uh, Christ was exalted just a couple of weeks ago when we were studying in Philippians 2. We saw that, uh, that literally we, we titled it, He is Exalted, Forever Exalted. I'm thankful that we could exalt the name of Jesus Christ together. And really, we think about, uh, that was the first Wednesday night we weren't able to meet. And as, as we studied through that together, we were reminded of this truth that God still sits on the throne no matter what we go through. He is still exalted. And we're looking forward to the day when we see Him in person lifted up high above all else. And so I just give the God the praise and the glory for leading us. And, and then we see that even prior to these verses, and uh, what preempted His exaltation was His willingness to be, uh, to be humble before uh, the Lord and before us. And so we see in verses 5 through 11 that he was humbled, but we see that chapter 2 really uh, gets its bearings from Philippians 1.27. And I want to just back up a little bit to Philippians 1.27 and read this with you. It says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you may stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. You see, the reason that he wrote this, the reason that we have Philippians chapter 2, and as he goes into Philippians 2, he says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, and therefore points us back to 127, and says, because we're striving together, because we have this desire to, to just uh, be Christ and, and strive together for the sake of the gospel, and listen, we're still striving for the sake of the gospel. As Hillside Baptist Church, we're still desiring to get the Word of God out into our community. We still desire to carry the light of the gospel forward. And as uh, we're finalizing Easter plans now and working with the county to find out what we can do uh, to, to make our Easter something special and memorable, trust me, it'll be memorable no matter what we do. I've never ex experienced an Easter quite like this one before, but we still want to make it a time where we can gather together in the Word of God and remember and celebrate all that Christ has done for us. And we can do that every day in our own home, but we want to do it together. And so pray that the God will allow us to do that. But we see here in the beginning of chapter 2 that the, the focus was really on that compassion and that service toward one another. And Christ was our great example. And as He came, uh, He came as God. And He came and was born in the likeness of man and was made in the likeness of flesh, is what the Bible says. And, and we see that He willingly submitted Himself to death for you and for me. And all that Christ did for us and His servant's attitude and His servant's spirit and, and all that He was willing to do for us, we see that, uh, that really it is an example for us to follow as believers today. Philippians chapter 2 in verses 12 and 13 is going to be really the text that we're going to look at tonight. And we're going to cover two verses. And as we look at these two verses, I just want to be a blessing and an encouragement to you as we look here together. It says in verse 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, and not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Let's stop and pray together. Father, thank you for this, uh, these two verses. Thank you for the Bible. We're so thankful that we have it, Lord, and as uh, a comforting measure in our times of, of grief and sorrow. It's, Lord, it's a, a balm, 
Lord, as, uh, as is written in the Old Testament, that heals the brokenhearted. It is something that we can run to, cling to. Lord, we can depend upon because it never changes. And Lord, uh, oftentimes we want to infuse our own ideas, but Lord, forgive us for those times and help us to just see what you have intended tonight from the Word of God and apply it to our, our hearts and lives biblically tonight. We thank you for the Word. Thank you for how that uh, you use it in our lives and may you bless it and use it in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at this, I, I just I'm thankful for Philippians 2, uh, 12 and 13, because as we look at this, this these verses here together, we see that God begins to show us a salvation that works. Now I want to we'll make a clarifier uh, here right now and again later, because I'm not saying that you have to work for your salvation. This is instead the work that happens as a result of salvation. Uh, what we do because we are saved. And this is what the, the Bible's talking about here is that we're willing to uh, to serve the Lord. We're willing to work. We're willing to work out the, the daily growth in our life as a result of Jesus Christ. And so uh, I, I want to just point out that it is the work of God that saves. Amen and amen. And it is His grace that allows us to be able to produce fruit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 10, it says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. You see, Paul even wrote here in the, in the uh, book of Corinth, look, he said, it, it was the grace of God, yes, but I also labored. And that's why he says in Philippians 2, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And that's why we're talking about a salvation that works tonight. And so let's look here together because we see first off that there is a command to work. Uh, and I'm thankful for this in verse number 12. He says, wherefore, my beloved. Now, Paul starts this verse with the word wherefore. And this refers uh, to the immediate context. And so don't forget your example of obedience. Who was that? Jesus Christ. Very good. And we think about Jesus Christ and he in his life was willing to be that example of obedience. And as, as we saw Sunday morning, even in our message, that Christ as that uh, that submissive servant was willing to just say, Father, not my will, but thine be done. And we see that same played out and what needs to be played out in our life. And so as we look at all of this, I just want to encourage you that God says, as a result of the example in your life, as a result of Christ's example, wherefore? This is what he's saying now. Wherefore, my beloved. I'm thankful that we can read that he became obedient unto death. And so let's, let's talk about first this compliment to the Philippians that he shared with us. So we see a compliment here. And we Paul, the, Paul desires to compliment how they had obeyed and in their persistence in obedience. And so let's look at the people of obedience because he says, My beloved. Paul used this term to express his love to them as Christ loved them. Think about this. He calls them his beloved. These were other believers. He loved this church. He cared about this church. And this is Philippians 1.8. He says, For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. You see, Christ, or uh, here we see that Paul loves this church and loves these people. I'm thankful to be part of a loving church. This week, uh, I... I just was encouraged by phone calls and text messages uh, from people in our church uh, being an encouragement and a blessing. Uh, phone calls I would have never expected. I tell you, it was such an encouragement to receive some of those things. And I was reminded uh, what Paul wrote here, my beloved, is truly on my heart and on my lips. My beloved, 
as he wrote that, he said, you are someone that, are, that is precious to me. And I truly echo that with my love for Hillside. And I'm thankful that God has called us together to, for this moment to serve Him right now in this place. When He refers to Him here, it is unmistakable, unmistakably giving a word of comfort and a word of encouragement. Knowing the discouragement that may come as they see the perfect example of whom they're to model their actions. And so He says, listen, this is a result of what you're supposed to do. He says that we're the, they're the people of obedience. And He compliments them. And, but we see there's persistence here. It says, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Let's talk about this persistence of obedience. You see, because no matter what was going on, these folks were obedient. They, they were willing to obey the Lord. Paul is saying that they have a tremendous and a consistent testimony. And this is quite a compliment that Paul gives to this church and these Christians. Think about this. This was a place where Paul was jailed for casting a demon out of a woman. He was locked up in the inner, inner chains, in the, in the inner part of the prison with Silas. And as he was locked up there in this, this part of the prison, we see that, that, that it was here that Paul sang praises to the Lord. And it was here that we see Paul willing to just give God the glory and give God the praise for what's going on. And, and, and it is in this place that as he was persecuted, he knew that they would be too. And so he says, Wherefore, my beloved, he says, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. He's saying you are persistent in your obedience. What a tremendous compliment. May we as a church be willing to say, God, now above all else, we want to obey you. In our life, in everything that we do, we want to be obedient to you as the Father. We also see the command that he gives them. This is the second part of verse number 12 here. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We see this command to work. The phrase work out is translated, uh, which means to perform, to accomplish, to achieve, to work out, to do that uh, from which uh, something results. Now, here's the, the neat thing. The tense of uh, here is an active and continuous in nature. And so he's basically saying continually working out our salvation. Verse 12 does not teach that we are to work to get saved. It does not say work for your salvation. You notice that? God was careful in the way he said that. It says instead, work out your own salvation. And so this is not working to be saved, but after salvation, working to grow to full maturity in Jesus Christ. For example, if you find a tree that has a very large honeycomb, and you uh, were to take that honeycomb down from the tree, and, and you would notice that that honeycomb is full of honey. And you would probably be rejoicing because your, your honeycomb is full, and you're thinking, how many jars of honey can I get? And boy, my tea's going to taste really good. It's going to be good on my buttered toast in the morning. And, and man, you're, you're salivating just thinking about it. But you didn't make that honey, but your job is to work that honey out of the comb. You see, that's what God is saying here. You didn't save yourself. Your job is to work out God's plan and purpose in your life, in your salvation. When God saved you, He gave you the Holy Spirit. He gave you the ability by the Spirit to love, to endure, to be long-suffering, to, to have the fruit of the Spirit, to put on uh, the, the armor of God, to be able to, to live and to serve Him. And so God has put a work in us, and we're to work that out day by day. Philippians 1.6 
reminds us this, being confident of this very thing that He which began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? He says, you know, no matter where you're at in your life and no matter if you feel like you're just stumbling along in your, in your Christian walk, this is what He says, that, that He that began it will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And here's the, here's the problem. It's not that God has stopped along the way. Oftentimes what happens is we stop. We're the ones that say, no, I'm going to turn my attention to something else. I'm going to get my focus on this over here instead of staying focused on the Lord. And as we see this, he says, listen, now it's time for us to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. An unknown author said this, if traces of Christ's love artistry be upon me, may he work on me with his divine brush until the complete image be obtained and I be made a perfect copy of him, my master. So Christian, if you're at home tonight, if you're struggling with having to be home more than you're used to, Maybe you're struggling with the fact that the, the, the doors of the church seem, seem to be shuttered. I urge you during this time to labor in the Word of God more fervently now than ever before. You see, this is a spiritual discipline, and we, we think of discipline as a bad thing, but it's a great thing. Discip being able to develop spiritual disciplines in our life is what Paul is talking about here. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Being able to say, listen, God, even though I, you know, I'm not working, I'm still going to keep a routine and a schedule, and I'm going to give you my day. If I, if I can't give it to my employer right now, I'm going to give it completely to you. I'm going to serve you as much as I possibly can during this time. The temptation is to binge watch Netflix. Or to binge watch your favorite show. I, I was talking to someone the other, the other day and they said they watched the show Outbreak and then followed it up with another show and it had to do with pandemics. And I got quite a chuckle out of that. But I just, I just want to encourage you to use this time, steward this time that God has given you wisely in such a way that you will be able as a believer as, uh, to, to grow through this time with Jesus Christ. Maybe you can make a goal. We have about nine days before Easter. Maybe your goal before, between now and Easter is to read through all four of the Gospels. Starting with Matthew and reading all the way through Mark and Luke and John. And be able to see the uh, four different times and four different perspectives. The, the life and the legacy of Christ and all that He's done for us on the cross. Maybe that's what you make your goal in the next nine days. Maybe you make a, a goal to read three chapters a day. Or maybe increase your Bible reading or increase your prayer time or get involved in helping one of these service opportunities. So no matter what it may be, may, uh, may you allow God to continue the work in you. But listen, He gives a caution in the work. Because He says, work out your own salvation, He says, with fear and trembling. The, the phrase fear with fear and trembling, and I want you to re remind you that fear denotes here this idea of respect. Psalms chapter 111 and verse number 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do His commandments. His praise endureth forever. And so we see that God says that this fear is, is a, an idea of respect here. This, uh, the point is uh, that one who is striving to grow will have a, a spirit of humility. Always there is that temptation to be there, and he must rely on God's power. So we cannot get where God wants us without him. And so I urge you to use caution. I urge you to, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's not my own ability. It's not my own power. It's not what I can do. It's what God can do through a yielded spirit. 
And that's what God wants to do in your life. And you know, and this is, I'm just reminded of 2 Timothy 2.15 because it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Are you working it out? Because you know that one day you will stand before the Lord and one day when you bow before God, you're going to see that, uh, that uh, He is the one that ultimately we're responsible to. We also see that Paul shared with them the companion in the work. In verse number 13, right at the beginning, he says, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Here in this, uh, in this we see that God is our companion in this desire. I'm so thankful that he doesn't say, Listen, you gotta, I'll save you, but you've got to figure out the rest on your own. God doesn't say that to you and me. What he says instead is, listen, I will walk with you. I will, uh, you can, if you have cares, you can cast them upon me. If you are burdened, he said, you can bring your anxious spirit to me. And instead of anxiousness and instead of worry, I will give you a peace that passes all understanding. You see, that's what God is, is doing. And as he walks through this uh, journey with us, he promises those who are struggling if, with needing to know answers that he said he will give us wisdom. He will guide us. He will lead us. He will be the one that directs us. And so church, let me just encourage you that God is your companion through all of this. And Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord hath appeared unto, uh, of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Listen, he says, I love you enough that I'm not going to leave you. What a great promise. What an encouraging thing from the Lord is that he's not he's not saying, listen, you're all on your own, folks. What instead of just saying is, I'm going to walk with you through this. I'm your companion. I'm I'm your friend through this. And Proverbs says that he is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Man, what a glorious thing. So let's look at the work of God very quickly this evening. You see, he calls us to work out our own salvation because it is God which worketh. Our sanctification is ultimately God's work in our life. The Christian life is first and foremost about your relationship with God. It's not about rules and regulations. It's about being able to establish a relationship with the Almighty. Being able to say, God, here I am. Use me. However I can possibly be used. And having a yielded spirit. And in Ephesians chapter 2, he talks about what God does. And he awakens. He quickens that spirit. And then in verses number 8 and 9, that it is by grace that you are saved through faith. But verse number 10 is powerful. As he says in Ephesians 2.10, he says, For we are His workmanship. Workmanship. He says, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Listen, God says that the work that He starts in us is a good work. And He is the Creator. He is the, the one who is divine. He is the one who is, he is working this out in our lives. And as a result of His work in our life, we see that we sh He has called us to walk in those things. Notice, that in Hebrews chapter 13 with me. That is, He is working in you to bring this change in your life. Hebrews 13, verses 20 through 21. It says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight, 
through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, God is working in us. God desires to complete this work. And that's what we read in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing. He which begun a good work and perform it into the day of Jesus Christ. And so as we submit ourselves to His will, and, and we submit ourselves to His leadership, and we yield our life to the Holy Spirit, God is going to perform a mighty work in us. He is our companion in this. Let's talk about how He works very quickly. Here, there's three things that God uses in our life in, in working. First off, we see His Word. He uses His Word in our life. I, I thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. I praise God for the Bible. I, I'm thankful that I am a Bible-believing Baptist. I thank the Lord that, that we can stand upon something sure. We're not going, well, I think it means... No, it tells us what it means. We can trust the teaching of, and the leading of the Holy Spirit. We can trust that God teaches us exactly what truth is. In a world and in a day where people doubt truth, in a, in a world and a day where people question uh, if there's any absolute truth, I'm thankful that I can stand upon the Word of God and say with absolute authority, this is God's Word, and it is truth with a capital T. So, he uses his word. He says in John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Secondly, we see he uses his spirit. We talked about this already and has worked in his life. In every way, the Holy Spirit is involved in sanctification. One author said, Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us, and the Holy Spirit has sent to prepare, a, uh, prepare us for that place. You see, he's got an active role in our sanctification. Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. He's working in us and through us. Be yielded to the Spirit. We also see that God uses trials. We don't always enjoy trials. You know, this morning as I was praying and talking to the Lord, I just I said, Lord, I thank you for this trial. And I, and I can honestly say there are some things I'm thankful for for the trial that we're going through right now. Uh, and and I, I just praised Him because even in the trial, especially in the trial, we need to give God praise because He's working in us through this trial. And this is what James 1.13 says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And we see that, I, I think I meant verses 3 and 4 here, but as we think about this, God James says, um, and earlier in the chapter, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. This is a good thing, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. You see, God is working through the trials in your life to bring him into, uh, to bring you and me into his image. And so let him work. We've got to be yielded. We've got to be willing to say, God, I'm, I yield myself to you. But let me talk very quickly this evening about the completion. Because God wants to complete this work. He says, I, For it is God which worketh in you, and this last part, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Very quickly, I just want to share with you a couple of things, because God intends His work to be completed. God is personal, and He takes notice and interest in our individual lives. And listen, this is in stark contrast, this truth is in stark contrast to all the pagan gods that were worshipped in uh, the city of Philippi at that time. It's in Stephen's stark contrast to many of the, the gods in our world today. Uh, and as we consider that God says, I want to be personally involved in your life. And this is what he wants. He wants to work in us to do his will and to do his work. So let's talk about uh, 
His will first. God doesn't work off of a whim. Aren't you thankful for that? God has a plan, and all of this is part of God's plan, and He has a definite goal and a purpose for us this evening. Ultimately, His will for all of us is to be conformed into the image of His Son. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 says, For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. See, God uses two things to direct us to His will. First off, He gives us sometimes discontentment with uh, where, where we are at in our current spiritual life. You ever uh, know what it's like just to hunger and thirst for God? This is what, what Jesus wrote and what He said on uh, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, if any man hunger and thirst after righteousness, here's His promise, he shall be filled. So He uses discontentment. He also stirs us to aspire to a grow in Him and in His righteousness. I thank the Lord for the work that He does. And I will remind you of Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 10 right there in the same book where we're at. He says, That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. And Philippians chapter 3 and verses 12 through 14. Not as though I had already attained Either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that uh, for which I also am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have appre uh, apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth into those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the calling of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You see, God is calling us to fulfill His will in our life. Charles Spurgeon said, the saints are sinners still. Our best tears need to be wept over. The strongest faith is mixed with unbelief. Our most flaming love is cold compared with, uh, with what Jesus deserves. And our uh, intensest zeal still lacks the full fervor which the bleeding wounds and pierced hearts of the crucified might claim at our hands. Our best things need a sin offering or they would condemn us. Isaiah says it like this, all of our righteousness is that fil as us filthy rags. We need our Lord today. We need His work. We need His will in our life. And John Newton, I appreciate uh, him as God just performed a major work in his life and from a slave trader to a pastor. And he said this, I am not what I might be. I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I wish to be. I am not what I hope to be. But I thank God I am not what I once was. And I can say with the great apostle, by the grace of God, I am what I am. You see, that's the work of God in a life. John Newton, after he was saved, renounced the slave trade and helped bring an end to it in the country of England and, and stopped selling uh, uh, humans as slaves. And we praise the Lord for, for the eradication of that. And, and I think about this life, who God so changed and so has powerfully used that He penned the words of amazing grace. And he says, listen, even though I'm not where I want to be or where I ought to be, I'm grateful that I'm not what I was. Isn't God good? That's what He wants to work out in your life. That's what He wants to continually to do in your life through His will. Let's talk about, that's His will. Let's talk about what He wants to do. Ephesians 3, 7 says, Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power. You see, Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. He says, listen, it is God's power that allows me to do what He wants me to do. 
Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 10 says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being unfruitful in, in, in every good work, excuse me, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Listen, again, he has a desire for us that we might be fruitful in the work. Uh, my, my heart's desire is that God will help us to see more souls saved during this time. You know, Satan is doing his best to keep the doors shut. But God, uh, through his power, can't stop the church of God who says, you know what, the church isn't trapped inside the walls of Hillside Baptist Building. We are the church. We get to carry the gospel. We get to, to, to take it continually, no matter what may happen and no matter uh, what uh, what happens in our society, God still sits on the throne and we're still the church and we get to take the gospel. Will you help me do that? First Peter chapter 5 and verse 10, but the grace, uh, oh, excuse me, but the God of all grace who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. That's what God wants to do in your life. Richard Baxter said this, this life was not intended to be the place of our perfection but the preparation for it. You see, God has a purpose and His pleasure in all that's going on here. He desires to will and to, and to, to do, and He says that uh, to do of His good pleasure. God delights in benefiting us. He delights in bringing good satisfaction in our lives, and we see this in Psalms 37, verse 23, because He says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and He delighteth in His way. Now, I'm not on my own a good man, and you can't be good on your own either, but through Jesus Christ, we can be made good. And God says that when we put, we order our life after Him, that God, that God delights in our way. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen, the, the, God's pleasure is when we submit ourselves to His will, when we, we give ourselves completely to Him. Man, God is, is ple pleased by those things. And I want to remind you that uh, God's will is, to, is beneficial to us and, it is, and glorifying to Him at the same time. Let me point out two things very quickly. It's beneficial for you. Because God's will has three qualities. First off, it's good. God's will never brings about a bad result. Sometimes we fear trusting God. And we fear that if I take this step of faith, that God is going to forget me. Or God is going to take me to a place where I can't uh, receive His protection and His provision. But I want to remind you what... what uh, what the Word of God says in Romans 8.28, that all things work together. And it's for our good and His glory. And so God's will never brings about a bad result. It's acceptable. God's will is not distasteful. Aren't you thankful? Romans 12.2 reminds us that it's the acceptable will of God. It is a perfect. It will have a completion. God's will is working in our life. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, He says this, For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. And I want to point out that it's beneficial in our life. God has a plan. God has a will. And that will is perfect. It's a, it's a good will. It's an acceptable will. And, and we can trust it because it's beneficial to us. But it's also good to God. Since this plan originates with God, it's good to Him. 
I know that's a deep theological thought tonight, but I just I just want to remind you that if if you're following God's will, it's a good thing for God and it's a good thing for you. It's a win-win. Ephesians chapter 1 and verses number 9 through 12. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, which uh, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him in whom also uh, we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him which worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Listen, as we trust God's leadership and we follow his his path for our life. I want to remind you tonight that we can trust God's will, that it is going to be a beneficial thing for your life, that it is going to be something that is good for God as well. And so trust in the Lord tonight. It's in times of great trial when God desires for our lives to grow and strive to fully follow Him. It's time for us to fervently uh, just and passionately give everything that we have to our Savior. It's time that we submit our lives and yield ourselves to the Spirit. Because I remind you that as we yield ourselves to the Lord, together we can accomplish the work of God. We can't do it on our own. You know, I can't preach on my own. Our singers can't sing on their own. We have to be able to do this through the power of the Lord. One day, we're going to look back over this life and we're going to say it was a good thing to obey His command. To have Him as our companion. To be able to see the work completed He started in us. Tonight, though, maybe you don't know the Lord. Maybe tonight you're struggling. You don't, you don't know uh, which way is up or down. Hey, if you're going to heaven or hell, you're not sure if you're going to, uh, to some other place. You're, you just don't know what's going on. And the reality is that I remind you, you may not even know who God is. And let me just say that God knows you. And more than just knowing you that you exist, God knows you better than anybody else, even yourself. And so as we think about God tonight, and you may not know all the intricacies of who He is, this is what I want to remind you, that He knows you. And even though He knows you and your secrets and all the good and the bad, this is what He says, I love you. For God so loved you. God so loved you that He gave His only begotten Son. You see, that's what God has done for us. And before we could ever begin to work on these uh, becoming more like Christ, you have to first give your heart and your life to Christ. And so, as we come to a, con- a close tonight, I just want to ask you, do you know Jesus? Do you know Him not just as uh, a person who we use in profanity? Do, we, do you know Him more than just a name that you've heard from history? But do you know Him as a friend? Do you know Him as someone you can count on? Do you know Him as one that you can can just trust Him? And more than that, God says that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that the Bible says that He comes and He indwells in a life and that He will take up residence forever. And listen, and when you die, you will go to be with Him in heaven. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the the, the name of the Lord shall be saved. But... Whom shall they call on whom they have not believed? In verse 14. And so God calls you to believe tonight. Would you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Would you call unto Him by faith and say, Lord, I'm a sinner, forgive me. Lord, 
I trust and believe that Jesus Christ is son, the Son of God and He came to this earth that He died on the cross and was, was buried and rose again to save me from my sins. And I put my faith and trust in Him tonight that, that as I call upon Him that, that, that even now He says it, promises that He will save me that I might have a home in heaven forever with Him. See, that's what God offers for you tonight. I want to leave you with some action steps tonight, some ways that you can, you can know what to do next. First off, if you need to be saved, why don't you call the office, 865-7286. you text in. Uh, I think the number's right there on the screen, 815-4686. You can, you can text us. Or maybe you just want to email us, info at hillsidebc.com. You know, you, you can just you can reach out to us. We, we want to help you walk you through this. We want to rejoice with you if you've trusted Christ. We've got a gift we'll send you if you put your faith in Christ tonight. Maybe you want a Bible. Let me send you a free Bible. We'd love to do that for you this evening. Secondly, Christian, let me talk to you just for a minute. You have strongholds. You have things that you're hindering from... Uh, you say, Lord, I'll give you everything but... You know, I've got this one little closet here in my life and I don't want you to have this one little area and so I'm just going to close this up but the whole living room you can have, Lord, of my heart. But this one little closet's mine and I want to keep it secret. You don't need to look at it. That's a stronghold, friend. And if you are hanging on to strongholds, God says it's time to let them go. And when you let them go, the Holy Spirit gets control. And when the Spirit has control and you are yielded, God says that He can do amazing things through your life and He can finish the work that He started finally, let me ask you, will you commit? Commit to growing in Christ tonight. Be willing to read, study God's Word, be willing to pray. When the temptation is to spend more time in front of the television or your devices, I urge you to rethink this thought. I urge you to be able to say, God, instead of focusing on all those other things, I want to be, come back to the Word of God. You've given me time. You've given me a slower pace of life. There's nowhere else to go. And so let me, Lord, at this time to, to devote my life to You. Would you do that now? Would you give your life to the Lord tonight by salvation, by committing, saying no more strongholds? Let me pray with you this evening. Father, thank You that we can come to You Lord, knowing that uh, You have given us and offered us salvation that works, not, not something that's dead, but instead we get to be the hands and feet of Your precious Son, Jesus. And so, as we consider this, I just pray and ask tonight that You would do a tremendous work in drawing hearts and lives close to Jesus Christ this evening, that those that are lost would be saved tonight before it's too late. Lord, I've known others that have gotten saved as a result of streaming. And I pray that, Lord, that one that's listening, even right now, that right now they would reach out Lord, to you and and to be uh, and be saved, and then they would reach out to us and let us know what God has done in their life, so we can rejoice with them. For us as Christians, help us not to grow cold, but help our spirit to be more fervent now more than ever. We just thank you, Lord, that we have a salvation that can work, a Lord and a Savior, a companion that walks with us through. And so, God, we give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name.